Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. conference call. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, simply press star and one on your touchtone phone. Should anyone need assistance during the conference call, they may signal an operator by pressing star and zero on their telephone. I would now like to turn the conference over to Harry Blount, Senior Vice President, Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator, and good afternoon, everyone. On the call today is OpenText Chief Executive Officer and Chief Technology Officer, Mark J. Berenshay, and our Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, Madhu Ranganathan. We have some prepared remarks, which will be followed by a question and answer session. This call will last approximately 60 minutes with a replay available shortly thereafter. I would like to take a moment and direct investors to the investor relations section of our website, investors.opentext.com, where we have posted two presentations that will supplement our prepared remarks today. First, our strategic overview titled OpenText Investor Presentation April 2020, and the second titled Q3 FY20 Financial and Business Results includes information and financials specific to our quarterly results, notably our updated quarterly factors on page 10. In May and June, OpenText Management is pleased to virtually meet with investors at the following conferences. CIBC's Technology and Innovation Conference on May 13th, Barclays America's Select Franchise Conference on May 14th, Needham's Technology and Media Conference on May 19th, Bernstein's Strategic Decisions Conference on May 29th, and Bank of America's Merrill Lynch Global Technology Conference on June 4th. Please feel free to reach out to me or the IR team for additional information. And now now I will proceed with a reading of our Safe Harbor Statement. Please note, during the course of this conference call, we may make statements relating to the future performance of OpenText that contain forward-looking information. While these forward-looking statements represent our current judgment, actual results could differ materially from a conclusion, forecast, or projection in the forward-looking statements today. Certain material factors and assumptions were applied in drawing any such statement. Additional information about the material factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from a conclusion, forecast, or projection in the forward-looking information, as well as risk factors including a relation to the current global pandemic that may project future performance results of OpenText are contained in OpenText's recent forms 10K and 10Q, as well as in our press release that was distributed earlier this afternoon, which may be found on our website. We undertake no obligation to update these forward-looking statements unless required to do so by law. In addition, our conference call may include discussions of certain non-GAAP financial measures reconciliations of any non-GAAP financial measures to their most directly comparable GAAP measures may be found within our public filings 
and other materials which are available on our website. And with that, I'm very pleased to hand the call over to Mark. Thank you, Harry. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining today's call. On behalf of the Open Text community, we honor the brave women and men who are serving on the front lines of this pandemic. Our healthcare professionals, first responders, infrastructure and cloud experts, food processors, and other essential workers who are keeping us healthy, safe, and productive. Our hearts remain heavy with the loss of life and hardship. And during these difficult times, our spirits are uplifted with hopes, acts of kindness, and courage. The health and well-being of our employees is our first priority, as well as our customers and partners. I'm pleased to highlight that the Open Text community is doing exceptionally well. This pandemic impacts every aspect of our work and lives. As we say in Canada, all together, or tous ensemble. I'm inspired every day by the resiliency and innovation of my colleagues. I am so proud of the Open Text leadership, our employees, their dedication to customer experience, operational excellence, and their resiliency during this pandemic. While there remains and is still a long journey ahead for all of humanity, we look forward to our in-person camaraderie returning soon. OpenText is a unique platform, a very strong company, and we are well positioned for this seminal moment in time. We will come out of this stronger than we went into it. Let me spend a few moments on our Q3 financial highlights. We delivered record total revenues of $815 million, up 13% year over year, or $820 million in constant currency. This is our 21st consecutive quarter of total year-over-year -year growth in constant currency. We had record annual recurring revenues of $662 million, up 21% year-over-year. Our annual recurring revenue, ARR, was a record 81% of total revenues. Cloud revenues of $340 million, up 42%, with a 590 BIPs margin increase to 63%. Record customer support revenues of $323 million, up 4%, with a margin of 90%. Our renewal rates remain strong and upper quartile, both cloud and off-cloud. Americas was 63% of our business, EMEA 29%, and APJ was 8%, with a stronger shift to the United States. We generated $260 million of adjusted EBITDA dollars, or 31.8%. Record operating cash flows of $330 million and trailing 12-month operating cash flows of $904 million. We ended the quarter with $1.4 billion in cash and a net leverage ratio of 2.25 times. We expect our net leverage ratio to decline in the coming quarters. We advanced our business during Q3, and let me highlight a few key areas and more details to follow in my script. Notable customer wins in critical infrastructure industries included Nestle, United Health Services, General Motors, Continental, Diatsu, Diamond Pharmacy Services, and Pathos Lab Testing. We announced new partnerships with Amazon and Dun & Bradstreet. We acquired Xmedius, a data and voice solutions provider with an install base of over 50,000 that expands our ARR in on-demand messaging. We formed a new Open Text U.S. Public Sector Group, bringing together all our U.S. public sector activities within one group, 
civilian defense, intelligence, state, local, and national laboratories. We published two web reports on cyber threats and consumer security behaviors. We announced a suite of cutting-edge new cloud capabilities at Enterprise World Europe Digital with Cloud Editions 20.2. Our new citizen developer site, based on OT2, is live at developer.opentext.com. The ability to rapidly build new content, workflow, forms-based applications is essential for digitalization. And we completed a successful refinancing in early Q3 that extended our debt maturities into 2024 and lowered our coupon. We seamlessly transitioned to a work from home environment and drove a solid Q3. We are engaging with customers and prospects in our scaled up OpenText Digital Zone. The OpenText Digital Zone enables events, demos, architectural design sessions, pilots, support, deployments, and customer operations. OpenText Enterprise World Europe was conducted in the Digital Zone last month, and we have had over 10,000 engagements so far. When you bring this all together, here's the main point I want to highlight. As I've commented on in previous calls, our business is transformed. In 2011, ARR was approximately 54% of revenue. We had no cloud business. License was 26% of revenue. And our adjusted EBITDA margins were in the 20s. Last quarter in Q3, ARR was 81% of revenue. Cloud was our largest segment. License was 10% of revenue. And our adjusted EBITDA was in the 30s. By all measures, we have reshaped our business into a cloud business with high recurring revenues. We'll always honor how a customer wants to purchase subscription or license and how they want to deploy cloud, off-cloud, or hybrid. With that said, we are transformed, and we are well-positioned to weather the short-term challenges and for long-term growth. The pandemic is massively accelerating discussions on digitalization, cloud, the edge, but also impacting overall demand, especially in those industries that are already, already heavily invested in, such as auto, airlines, hospitality, oil, travel, and retail. But the pandemic has also strengthened our purpose to help companies transform. I said a few quarters ago, this moment, this movement to the cloud is a once in a 20 year opportunity. This remains so, and it will accelerate even faster now once we get through all the demand challenges. Consider the need to digitize is more urgent. Moving to the cloud is contactless for most customers' businesses. The edge is as important as the cloud. Remote work is here to stay. Working from home is an essential part of the new equilibrium. Home, school, gym, place of retreat or worship, all combined into one physical space, and that space needs data and information and threat protection. We all work and live at the edge of the network. And we are really delighted to be in this business with our Carbonite acquisition. Building, a knowledge, building knowledge economies and collaboration is essential when you cannot be physically in an office, person to person, and it's harder to build new relationships. Stellar customer experiences overall, and especially with contactless retail. Direct to consumer accelerates even faster. And finally, the need for digital, agile, and rapidly adaptable supply chain platforms. We have over 2 million trading partners and 60,000 customers uh, running on our trading grid. 
Those customers on our grid have a large competitive advantage as they can change their manufacturing output within days. We helped numerous companies transition to PPE in Q3 at record speeds, just as an example. At OpenText, we see these changes in behaviors and long-term structural shifts as opportunities to help our customers automate and transform their businesses with our software and expertise, leveraging our new OT2 services and 20.2 cloud additions for content services, business network, digital experience, and cyber resiliency. I'm particularly proud of how OpenText has supported the global response to the pandemic and helping our customers through this seminal event. Healthcare and patient care with the NIAID, NHS, Cerner, McKesson, CVS, and Cardinal Health. Biotech and pharmaceuticals, Novartis and Novo Nordisk. Governments and defense, NATO, USDOD, Government Canada. Energy, PG&E, BP, SEMPRA, Chevron. Financial services, the ECB, Bank of England, B of A, Wells, JP Morgan. Critical manufacturing, Bebron, Bosch, GM, Siemens, Philips. Food and Agriculture, Nestle, Mars, Cargill, Telecommunications, AT&T and Verizon, Transportation and Logistics, Union Pacific, Knights, FedEx, UPS. We are all together with our customers through this seminal point in time. Let me transition to the preemptive choices we have made at OpenText to weather the shorter-term uncertainties and the new realities of returning to work. We believe it is better to be decisive and clear, not slow and incremental. Our preemptive choices include continuing to focus on total growth. We're going to uh, to continue to make investments for future organic growth, grow our cash position, and be in a position to deploy capital for the right opportunities. Strengthening our already durable and resilient business model. ARR was 81% in Q3, our highest ARR percent in the history And with the launch of the cloud additions, we expect the shift from license to cloud to continue and to grow ARR, being centered on strong operating cash flows, regardless of the macro environment. To that end, we are announcing today a set of cost control measures and a restructuring program. This is a single decisive action, not the first of multiple rolling actions. The cost control programs are temporary while the pandemic persists. The restructuring programs are permanent. The temporary programs include, we are reducing our anticipated cash payroll expenses for the last 45 days of fiscal 20 and for fiscal 21, base and variable. The CEO's total by 63%, board of directors fees by 15%, the executive leadership team by 15%, managers by 10%, and our valued contributors by 5%, with some exceptions in India and Philippines. We have also reduced discretionary spending, narrowed hiring to exceptional difference makers, and instituted other cost measures. The permanent restructuring programs include, our work from home has been amazingly productive. Given this, we decided not to reopen approximately 50% of of our offices and institute a hybrid model with some employees continuing to work from home. These are smaller offices, and and we will close them immediately and permanently, and this only affects about 15% of our workforce. Our corporate offices, our centers of excellence, innovation centers, and country head offices will remain open when we are able to do so. Conjunctive with this, we commenced a rebalancing program that will reduce our workforce by up to 5%. 
We expect the workforce rebalancing and the strategic change in return to workplace to reduce annualized expenses by $65 million to $75 million a year. Maintaining a very strong balance sheet is always a priority. We ended the quarter with $1.45 billion in cash and a 2.25 times leverage ratio, and that ratio will decline as we build more cash. We drew $600 million of our revolver preemptively, and with our refinancing in, July, uh, in early February, we extended our maturities and lowered our coupon. Our first debt maturity is now four years away in 2024. Let me provide some highlights on Carbonite. Our strategy and industrial logic on Carbonite, on the Carbonite acquisition, was to extend the open text influence into cyber resilience, data, and information protection, and to enable information and work at all endpoints while our customers operate at the edge of the network. The edge and the cloud need to work together. With the rapid expansion of work from home and this long-term structural shift, Carbonite products become even more important for the enterprise, SMB, and the consumer. Carbonite had a solid first quarter of operations, and we are on our internal business case for the acquisition. Carbonite delivered $110 million of revenues in its first quarter, and in its first quarter was immediately accretive to adjusted earnings and cash flows. You will see in our investor materials that we had expected Carbonite, we expect Carbonite to exceed our previous second half fiscal 20 range of 190 million to 200 million. Carbonite contributed to our cloud growth. The combined operations improved our cloud margins into the low 60s, and the integration on the business of the business remains on track. We're also watching closely SMB closures, spending, co uh, spending cuts, and potential bankruptcies. In Q4, we did not see an impact. Let me spend a moment on the road ahead, and given the environment, and, uh, and given the environment, we expect some variability. In the first half of our fiscal year, we had positive organic growth. Year to date, and including Q3 and constant currency, we had positive organic growth in ARR. With two months to go, our full-year organic growth will be challenged due to the pandemic and the macro events out of our control. For the full fiscal year 20, we are expecting total revenue growth in the mid to high single digits. We're also expecting strong cloud growth in the low 20% range and low single digit customer support growth. License and PS should each decline year over year as we continue our transition to the cloud and, and, uh, uh, and customers in highly invested industries navigate the pandemic. We are keeping our fiscal 20 target model in place while updating a few ranges today. ARR increasing to 76 to 78%, adjusted EBITDA margin decreasing slightly to 35 to 36%, and CapEx reducing to 72 million to 77 million. We are maintaining our dividend program, and today's dividend announcement is consistent with our previous practices at 17.46 cents per share. OpenText believes strongly to returning value to its shareholders and intends to maintain its dividend program. For our usual um, cadence, we'll update you in August on our fiscal 2021 plan and our three-year long and our three-year long-term aspirations. As a note, starting in August, we plan to shift our discussion away from OCF and shift that discussion to FCF, moving from operating cash flow to free cash flow 
um, uh, starting in August. Again, and I note, our trailing 12-month OCF was $904 million, our strongest TTM in the history of the business. Our Q4 factors include a highly fluid market due to the pandemic health and economic crisis, disruption in many industries, auto, oil, energy, transportation, airlines, retail, disruption in supply chain availabilities, and for Q4, we are modeling and expecting an FX headwind of 14 million, approximately 14 million, revenues flat to slightly down sequentially quarter over quarter, and adjusted EBITDA dollars flat to slightly up sequentially quarter over quarter. Let me summarize my prepared remarks. We are shaped by our experiences and our mind's view of what we envisage our new equilibriums to be. I lived and worked through the dot-com boom and bust, 9-11, the Great Recession, and my near-death experience with acute myeloid leukemia and subsequent bone marrow transplant. Through my cancer treatment, I lost my immune system three times and was isolated for over 100 days. While none of these experiences can fully prepare one for a pandemic and a great lockdown, they can inform your approach to actions, communications, and transparency. We are being preemptive with our choices at OpenText. We are going to lead as the best information management company in the world. We're going to help customers accelerate their transformations through our platform, digitalization, cloud, the edge, cyber resilience, and supply chains. We're going to lean into the new workloads, use cases, and structural shifts across the marketplace. Last summer, I talked about doubling our sales coverage for the global 10,000 over the next three years and investing $2 billion in R&D over the next five years, and we remain committed to that level of innovation. This innovation is the underpinnings of future organic growth. Our software is hybrid, and so will be our work, as we intend to lead the way in remote work and the return to the workplace. We'll continue our focus on growing recurring revenues and cash flow and cash. We operate with a strong balance sheet, We'll be ready to deploy capital using our ROIC-driven value-based playbook for the right opportunities, and we'll maintain our commitment to shareholder returns, dividends, transparent communications, and direct and ongoing engagement. I'm pleased with our solid Q3 baseline, why we all manage through this seminal moment. The leadership team is committed to work smartly, selflessly, and tirelessly through this crisis. We'll come out of this pandemic stronger than we went into it, in part because of the preemptive choices we have made. All together, tous ensemble. Let me end my premier remarks here. And with that, it's my pleasure to turn the call over to Madhu Raghunathan, OpenTech's Chief Financial Officer. Madhu? Yeah, thank you, Mark. And thank you all for joining us today. Our Q3 results were solid and reflect our operational excellence and a continued focus on our balance sheet. We are proud of the DNA and culture at OpenText as we continue to optimize our cost structure, initiate and execute preemptive cost measures. With a strong balance sheet and a highly efficient operating framework, we are well positioned to address the shorter term challenges and longer term growth. And before I share my commentary on Q3, please note that our updated fiscal 20 target model is included in our Q3 investor presentation posted on our IR website and will be addressed in my comments. And similar to prior quarters, 
My references will be in the millions of USD and compared to the same period in the prior fiscal year. And let me start with revenues and earnings. Total revenues were 814.7, up 13.3%, or up 14.1% on a constant currency basis. Foreign exchange continues to be meaningful. There was a 6 million FX unfavorable impact to revenue in the quarter. Year to date, total revenues were 2.3 billion, up 7.6%, or up 8.8% on a constant currency basis. Earnings per share. Q3 gap earnings per share diluted was 10 cents, down from 27 cents, and primarily due to the incremental impact of amortization relating to the carbonite acquisition. Q3 non-GAAP earnings per share diluted was 61 cents, down from 64 cents, or down 2 cents on a constant currency basis. Year-to-date, GAAP earnings per share diluted was 77 cents, down from 79 cents. Year-to-date, non-GAAP earnings per share diluted was $2.09, up 5 cents, or up 10 cents, Per share on a constant currency basis. The geographical split of total revenues in the quarter was America's 63%, EMEA 29%, and APJ 8%. Annual recurring revenues were 662.3, up 20.6%, or up 21.3% on a constant currency basis. Year to date, ARR was 1.8 billion, up 11.1%, or up 12.2% on a constant currency basis. Annual recurring revenues as a percent of total revenues was 81% for the quarter, up from 76% in the prior year, and 78% year-to-date, up from 75% in the prior period. Our cloud revenues were particularly strong at 339.5, up 42.3%, or up 42.8% on a constant currency basis. Year-to-date, cloud revenues were 825.1, up 23.9%, or up 24.7% on a constant currency basis. Our cloud renewal rate remains in the mid-90s. Our customer support revenues were 322.9, up 3.9%, or up 4.8% on a constant currency basis. Year-to-date, customer support revenues were 950.7, up 1.9%, or up 3.3% on a constant currency basis. Our customer support renewal rate remains in the low 90s. Our license revenues are 81.1, down 17.9%, or down 17% on a constant currency basis, primarily due to the pandemic's impact on our license business during the quarter. Year to date, our license revenues are 297, down 3.7%, or down 2.3% on a constant currency basis. Professional services revenues were 71.3, up 0.3%, or up 1.5% on a constant currency basis. Year to date, professional services revenues were 210.3, down 2%, or down 0.4% on a constant currency basis. Turning to margin, gap gross margin was 65.4%, down 130 basis points, again, primarily due to the incremental impact of intangible amortization from carbonite. Year-to-date, gap gross margin was 67.5%, up 20 basis points. Adjusted gross margin was 73.3%, up 30 basis points. Year-to-date, adjusted gross margin was 74%, down 10 basis points. 
during both periods, adjusted gross margin is well within the range of our fiscal 20 target model. Also on an adjusted basis, cloud margin was 62.5%, a 410 basis points improvement from Q2 fiscal 20, and up from 56.6% last year. Year-to-date cloud margin was 59.7%, up from 58%. A customer support margin was 90.1%, up from 89.9%. Year-to-date customer support margin was 90.5%, up from 90.1%. A license margin was 96.9%, down from 97.3%. Year-to-date license margin was 97.3%, up from 96.7%. Professional services margin was 21.2%, up from 20.9%. Year-to-date, professional services margin was 22.2%, up from 21.7%. Adjusted EBITDA was 259.5, down 0.9%, or up 0.5% on a constant currency basis. Margin-wise, this represents 31.8%, down from 36.4%. Year-to-date, adjusted EBITDA was 830.7, up 1.8%, or up 3.5% on a constant currency basis. Margin-wise, this represents 36.4%, down from 38.5%. As a reminder, both the quarter and year-to-date results include a full quarter of Carbonite financials. Our adjusted net income was 166.3, down 3.9%, or down 2% on a constant currency basis. Year-to-date, adjusted net income was 566.8, up 3%, or up 5.4% on a constant currency basis. Gap net income was 26, down 64.3%, primarily due to 48 million of incremental impact of intangible amortization from carbonite. Year-to-date, gap net income was 207.9, down 2.7%. Turning to operating cash flows, they were at record 329.6, an increase of 15.2%. Year-to-date, operating cash flows were 674.3, up 4.2%. Q3 reflects continued solid performance on our well-integrated working capital framework. We had record collections. Q3 DSO was 51 days, an improvement of nine days compared to Q3 fiscal 19, all notwithstanding the advent of the pandemic during March. Carbonite remains accredited to our working capital. And despite our Q3 strength, we are mindful of and closely watching the short-term challenges ahead. From a balance sheet perspective, we ended the quarter with approximately $1.45 billion in cash, given strong cash flow performance, and $600 million from our revolver drawn as a preemptive measure in the current environment. The proceeds from the revolver are presented within cash and cash equivalents. The refinancing announced in February further strengthened our balance sheet position, extending our earliest maturity to 2024 and the latest out to 2030. A consolidated net leverage ratio remains at 2.3 times. And a carbonite update, Q3, as I said, is our first full quarter with carbonite results. The, in- the integration is going well, and we remain on track to our target operating model by the end of fiscal 21 or sooner. The acquisition remains accredited to annual recurring revenues, cloud margin, adjusted EBITDA, and working capital. On the restructuring plan, today we announced a restructuring plan that will impact our global workforce and consolidate certain real estate facilities. As a result of the pandemic, 
more than 95% of our employees are currently working from home, and we're making plans for a hybrid future return to workplace strategy. We currently have approximately 120 offices around the world, and our intent over time is to reduce over 50% of our global offices, impacting approximately 15%, one-five, of our employees. The estimated cost of the real estate facilities restructuring is expected to be in the range of 65 to 80 million. We have also approved and begun executing a workforce rebalancing program across various departments in order to further reduce our cost base in light of economic uncertainty. We estimate severance costs to be in the range of 15 to 20 million. The total cost of the restructuring, including workforce and facilities, is expected to be approximately 80 to 100 million. We expect to incur the restructuring expense during Q4 of this fiscal year. Once completed, we anticipate annualized expense savings of, of approximately 65 to 75 million. Q4 savings will be minimal, and we expect a substantial realization of savings during fiscal 2021. We're also taking a number of additional preemptive measures, including reduction in discretionary spend and temporarily reducing the salaries of executives, senior leadership, and other employees, as well as our board of directors. On the quarterly factors, let me summarize and reiterate the quarterly factors we anticipate for our upcoming Q4. As we look at where FX rates are today, as well as the geographical components of our business, we note that the FX headwinds fiscal 20 year to date was 26 million to revenue. We expect approximately 40 million annual FX headwinds for the full fiscal 2020. Furthermore, expect Q4 total revenues to be flat to slightly down compared to Q3 20. Expect adjusted EBITDA dollars to be flat to slightly up compared to Q3 20. On the target operating model, let me highlight the following changes. Annual recurring revenue is being increased 100 basis points to a range of 76 to 78%. Although we're not changing our target range for license revenue, we do expect a decline in fiscal 20 compared to fiscal 19. Our adjusted EBITDA margin is lowered by 100 basis points to a range of 35 to 36%, and primarily reflecting the anticipated impact of the pandemic during our fourth quarter. Capital expenditures to a range of 72 to 77 million we continue to see efficiencies in our capital spend. All other elements of our fiscal 20 target model remains unchanged. On long-term aspirations, as Mark mentioned, we will update you on our fiscal 2021 plan and our long-term aspirations during the fiscal year-end call in early August for our usual cadence, including adjusted EBITDA and a shift to free cash flow from operating cash flow. On the tax update, the IRS matter is still in the appeal space and our resolve remains strong as we continue to vigorously defend our position. Dividend, and finally turning to our dividend program, today we announced a quarterly dividend of 17.46 cents per share payable on June 19, 2020. Our rate remains the same based on a target of distributing approximately 20% of our trailing 12-month operating cash flow. In summary, we are pleased with our Q3 results with strong cash flows, solid balance sheet, and initiating a number of preemptive measures in light of the current global pandemic, all of which will enable us to remain highly focused on delivering against our total growth strategy. The strength of our people, processes, and systems were on full display in the current environment this quarter and demonstrated the durability and resilience in our organization. We remain confident in continuing 
to benefit from this model as we look ahead. I would like to extend a special thank you to the teams at OpenText for their successful pivot and incredible efforts during the quarter. A thank you to our shareholders whose, whose trust and confidence we greatly value. And finally, I'd like to wish every one of you an abundance of health and safety. I would now like to turn the call over to the operator for questions. Operator? Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. Anyone who wishes to ask a question may press star and one on their touchtone telephone to join the question queue. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please ensure you lift the handset before pressing any keys. If you wish to remove yourself from the question queue, you may press star and two. Anyone who has a question may press star then one at this time. Our first question comes from Ramo Lenshu of Barclays. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you. Uh, congrats on a great uh, uh, Q3 and I uh, hope you all stay healthy and uh, our thoughts are with you guys as well. Um, the um, quick question for you, Mark, you've seen kind of downturns before as well. Like if you think about the current situation, what's the? can you talk a little bit about what you're kind of looking out for in terms of either like conversion rates versus pipeline building uh, versus uh, churn, especially now that you own Carbonite with more SMB focus. Just kind of help us a little bit understand like how you could trying to or will uh, manage through the current situation. And then I have a follow-up. Yeah, yeah, very good. Raymond, thanks for the question. We are well and, and, and wish you and, and your extended family the same. Um, look, I think at the end of the day, the, the guiding principle is going to be by industry. Right, the, um, uh, every industry is going to be different. Auto is going to be different than retail, which is going to be different than, than healthcare and hospitals. So we're taking an approach to understand our, our business and the patterns uh, and, and, and any structural shifts uh, industry by industry. So, so, so that's sort of kind of an uber um, approach that, that, that we're taking. There's no doubt that in general there's an acceleration in uh, transformative discussions. Um, we highlighted the ones that we're seeing, digital, cloud, remote work, uh, cyber, supply chains. You know, when we add up um, you know, our revenues um, into those industries we think that are most uh, challenged here in the short term, you know, it's upward to about 20% of our, of our revenues. Um, now that's balanced by uh, expansion discussions that we are having in, in healthcare, um, pharma, industrial manufacturing, and government. So it's, you, you know, it, it, when you kind of translate all those short-term effects together, you know, for our F20, you know, we're expecting to grow mid to high single digits, but before, before COVID, we expected a slightly higher growth rate. So, you know, there, we're taking a look at it by industry, industry by industry, you, you have uh, places where across the board there's accelerated discussions, um, but there are more challenges in certain industries and accelerants in others. As it relates to SMB, we're clearly monitoring it. You know, the carbonite business isn't all SMB. There's a good portion that's enterprise. There's a good portion that is OEM, which is enterprise. Our consumer direct business uh, was actually uh, on an uptick um, uh, in Q3. Um, and, of course, there's the SMB portion of the business. We saw no effects in Q3, um, but we're, uh, we're, cl uh, we're clearly monitoring it very, very closely. 
So let me pause there, and I, I think you said you might have a follow-on or second part to your question. Yeah, um, then um, because like it's we're in kind of you know we are in in familiar, but we're also in uncharted territory in a little a little sure. bit in this kind of situation. Um, can you talk a little bit about like, what are the, the the signals or the metrics that you guys are going to focus on most in terms of kind of managing it and kind of making decision in terms of like changing behavior or changing something? I mean, you took very kind of decisive action already now, but like, what's the guiding principle for you here now as you go through the crisis? Yeah, so um, we're clearly being preemptive on our choices, as, as, you, as you note it, and we note it in our script. We think it's better to be uh, decisive um, uh, versus slow and incremental. Look, I learned that through my cancer treatment. I learned that through the Great Recession, right? Um, and you just got to prepare to weather uh, the challenges. Look, I, you know, we're going we're gonna to follow, like most uh, in, in, uh, out in the market, the, what I call the three Ts, right? We're going to track testing, we're going to track tracing, and we're going to track treatments <laughs> um, uh, as a general market. And, um, you know, we're going to track industry by industry. Um, you know, we're going to look, uh, uh, we get good insight through our business network on uh, many industry trends. Uh, and, and Raymond, the best I think I can highlight right now, yes, you have the usual pipeline and other metrics, um, but we're going to take a very industry by industry view. Um, uh, in each industry, and, you know, without going through every industry here, um, uh, we're going to we're going to track and trace, if you will, um, the, the detailed industry metrics because this this recovery is going to happen an in industry at a time. Okay, makes sense. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. Our next question comes from Paul Steep of Scotia Capital. Please go ahead. Hey, evening, Mark. Um, could you talk maybe Hi, just a little Hi. The cloud growth in the quarter, maybe measures you're taking, um, whether you've done anything to actually accelerate the transition towards the cloud and sort of push even harder towards that direction beyond the acquisitions that we talked about earlier. Well, it's, um, you know, it's, um, you know, kind of pre-COVID, um, um, you know, we, we did – um, you know, we didn't make structural changes coming into the fiscal year. We certainly put leadership and um, uh, management um, priority on it. Um, but, Paul, the, um, the pandemic is an accelerant uh, to the transition to cloud. Um, you know, customers who are not able to I – mean, we're very um, blessed and fortunate to have invested for many years in a very strong – technology platform, our own information management technologies. Um, and we think about how, I, we, how we operate a 15,000-person company today working from home. Um, look, we processed trillions of commerce through our trading grid over the last 100 days. And um, the conversation to accelerate to the cloud, to accelerate uh, – the conversations of, of cloud and digital are simply being accelerated um, due, due to the pan, uh, pandemic. Um, and, and we're going to be here all together to help our customers make that transition rapidly, whether it be consolidated content services to build knowledge economies, whether it be leveraging our trading grid to, to rapidly uh, adapt supply chains. Uh, we had numerous customers who we helped uh, in, in Q3 that were going from traditional industry um, manufacturing who had to onboard 2,000 new suppliers 
thousands and thousands of new parts to build a platform to be able to move to PPE manufacturing. Um, uh, and we were able to do that in record time so they could go reconfigure the physical manufacturing space. So um, um, the, the, the pandemic is, is accelerating these conversations. We haven't had to change structurally our comp plans or anything like that to do this. Great. And then the, just a quick follow-up on it. Maybe put context for people on the call around what Mui and the team has done with today's announcement now that you've added the other major cloud service provider on the public side and, and how yep. clients or whether clients have sort of pulled you towards, you know, Azure and AWS. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, sure, sure thing. So um, we announced a relationship, um, an expanded relationship with AWS today. Um, and, you know, we've previously announced our relationship with uh, SAP, uh, Google. Um, we've always partnered with uh, Microsoft as well. You know, 20.2, our cloud editions, um, are cloud first. They are native cloud applications. They're completely containerized. And we really have kind of completed the tech stack and now the business relationship side to um, um, give full choice to our customers. So if a customer has uh, sort of standardized on AWS, if they've standardized on Google, they've standardized on Azure, uh, we, we can seamlessly support um, their business decisions and their operating decisions, um, as well as our, our tech stack. So uh, t uh, 20.2, important step, uh, uh, native cloud, cloud first. AWS really is uh, uh, one of the last big pieces for us uh, to uh, firmly support, as I like to say, completing the need and the choice for our customers. Great. Thanks, folks. Our next question comes from Stephanie Price of CIBC. Please go ahead. Good afternoon and congrats on the quarter. Yeah, thanks, thanks Steph. Good to hear your voice. You too. Uh, thanks for the color on what you've seen so far. I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you've seen in the first couple of weeks of April um, and maybe a related question. You know, as regions start to open up, uh, our prospective customers, you know, picking up where they left off or, or how, how quick are they to re-engage? Yeah, it's, um, you know, software is um, uh, still unusual where you, you sort of get the end of quarter activity. And, um, you know, look, I, I couldn't be more pleased that we've completed the transition from, uh, you know, a licensed business really into a cloud business and a highly recurring revenue business. Um, you know, I... If I look at, uh, you know, we have the transactional work we do, and then we have the network work that we do. And, you know, on the network side, um, you know, it seems to be um, um, uh, sort of stable coming into April, I would say. You know, you, you, you had the end of last year, um, the end of last calendar year, you had January uh, a bit down. You, you, you had February a little lower down, February, excuse me, March a little lower down. And in, in April uh, seems to be sort of a, um, a bit more of a steady state right now. It's too early uh, to, to declare anything. Um, but I'd say here in the first month of the quarter, it, it seems to have um, uh, kind of been steady to where we uh, uh, from from end of March. Um, if we just go around the world, 
you know, China has certainly um, uh, begun begin to return to workplace. Um, um, Southern Europe has begun to return to workplace. I think it's still too early for Western Europe and in, in the in, in North America yet, and there are still places that are um, not plateaued. You know, whether it be India or or, or South America. Um, but from what we can see in our business, uh, we have the transactional piece, we have the network piece. Uh, the network piece is um, sort of stable to where it was at the end of end of March. But, but I'm just going to note it's still just, you know too early to make any predictions. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for that color. Um, and then maybe for Madhu, just uh, on the cloud margins this quarter, obviously very, very strong. Just wondering if you could elaborate a bit on the strength. Is it all related to the Carbonite integration? Should we kind of see this as the new run rate going forward? Um, yeah, it's a great, I mean, it's a great question. I would say think about it in three parts, right? Uh, one, so one, certainly we continue to optimize from an open text cloud perspective. Uh, our cost framework, and we've certainly seen the benefit of that. Um, and Carbonite is our, is our full quarter, and predominant of Carbonite, uh, of Carbonite revenues are, in fact, uh, mean in the cloud. And I also spoke about the CapEx efficiency we're seeing. Uh, so I would say all three factors you know, definitely contributed. And we've talked previously about being in the low to mid-60s, right, and you should definitely look to us to being in the, in the, in the low 60s as we look ahead as well. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our next question comes from Paul Treber of RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Oh, thanks very much and good afternoon. With the, the global move to work from home, you know, across a number of organizations, you know, it seems structural and permanent. You know, as you're experiencing it firsthand, you know, what do you think is perhaps least understood about you know, the, the challenge in transitioning, including IT and moving to work from home. And then, you know, as you think strategically, you know, how do you think that or how will that help you further reshape Open Texas software portfolio to address that going forward? Yeah, th yeah thanks for the question. Um, you know, I, you know, I think many of us, many of us, you know, tech companies or very tech-oriented businesses, um, uh, it, you know, if if I walked into an if I walked into my management team meeting, you know, last year and, and, and Monday morning and sat my team down and said, "Look, we're we're going to go send everyone home <laughs> for the next two months, and let's just see how it goes." You know, they, I would have I probably would have gotten laughed out of the room. Um, yet we've all now experimented at scale. Um, many of us have experimented at scale of, of having our workforces telework. Um, and I think many of us have been surprised just how uh, effective it is. And in some cases, productivity is up and it works. So, you know, for, for us, we, we see it as an opportunity to um, um, think differently about what the, the, the new return to workplace looks like. We're not going to be constrained in certain markets. Um, uh, this will open up some talent pools for us uh, to think more widely about um, uh, the talent we, we can bring on board. And um, I also think it will um, reinvent content services. Right? Content services at its heart is a knowledge platform. You know, think about how you do a remote close, how, how, you, how you do many major processes 
when you have a remote workforce. If you don't have knowledge bases or knowledge economies, as I call them, it's very hard to work. Um, so I think on one hand, um, many of us have been surprised just how productive it has been. None of us would have experimented like this on our own. I think you're going to see some permanent changes um, um, in that hybrid work. I think it's going to, uh, in a lot of ways, reinvent, reinvigorate content services. Um, um, and um, these are some of the things that, that, that we're seeing. Thanks for that. The, um, this another question for me in regards to carbonite. You know, the quarter was uh, you know significantly above our expectations, um, and then you know on a run rate basis, you know above your your prior outlook. You know, does the upside in the quarter does that specifically relate to work from home demand that you did see, um, or was there another driver that drove the upside there? Um, I would say a few things. One is um, good integration and, and, and execution, um, as well as, you know, you know there's going to be those places that are somewhat, as we talked about, challenged, uh, auto, airlines, travel, hospitality, um, oil. Um, uh, but as, as the workforce moved home, and home is more than just home, it's home, office, school, gym, <laughs> and many people at home, uh, we, we did see um, uh, high renewal rates and uh, strong interest uh, in, um, uh, in, in our kind of direct business to, uh, to consumer and, and prosumer. So I'd say it was a bit of the integration and execution as well as um, uh, an uptick in, um, um, in um, opportunity due to the work from home. Okay, thanks for taking my questions. Once again, if you have a question, please press star, then one. Our next question comes from Richard C. of National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Yes, uh, thanks. Uh, so I understand there, there's certainly a potential for acceleration broadly on the other side, particularly in cloud, but has this current crisis kind of uncovered any specific product areas that you can actually see uh, outsized pickup and in interest here that you weren't really seeing before? Um, uh, Richard, th thanks for the question. Um, um, look, I, I think the areas of, of, of focus and more conversation are around consolidation of content services. Um, uh, our, our core collab uh, collaboration suite and e-signature lots of conversations, and uh, protection of, of the home and endpoints. Um, you know, th these are things that are certainly in the, in, in, in the green column for us, you know, more so than they were uh, uh, pre-COVID. Okay. And then uh, you, know, you mentioned a bunch of different verticals like auto, airline, hospitality, uh, obviously, uh, those are very, very challenged verticals. But yet, when you sort of look at the kind of the remainder of the year, you still seem pretty optimistic. So uh, obviously, that's, that's pretty impressive. So, you know, if you were to say, you know, if it was in a normalized state, you know, organic growth, uh, can you maybe talk about what that would have been under kind of a normal conditions? Well, as I said, you know, as I said on the on um, a, little, a little earlier. Um, we're not going to talk about fiscal 21 yet, 
right? You know, we'll stay on our usual cadence and we get to August, we'll talk about fiscal 21, um, um, you know, as, uh, as, we, as we usually do. You know, for, for here, in, uh, in which I'm just gonna talk at the fiscal year level, Richard. So for fiscal 20, you know, we're expecting to see another growth here. So total growth in the mid to high single digits, cloud growth in the low 20s. In relation to organic growth, which I think was your question, you know, the first half of 20, we had organic growth. Year to date, in constant currency, we had organic growth in ARR. Um, but with two months ago, organic growth will be challenged, right, due, due, due to COVID. Um, and, you know, whereas um, we have some, you know, uh, there, there are heavily invested industries that have pressure, as we all know. Um, we, we have expansion discussions in other industries, healthcare, pharma, industrial manufacturing. Um, this does translate into short-term effects for us, um, as I said in my prepared remarks, right? Our, our F20 growth is expected all in, our F20 growth is expected to be in the mid to high single digits. And before COVID, we expected higher growth. So we're still gonna have a growth year. Um, we're still expecting a growth year. Um, uh, but we, we clearly have growth impacts because of uh, COVID. Okay, and there's still one quick one for me, the last question. In terms of uh, acquisitions, um, you know, maybe talk about the ability to pursue acquisitions here uh, in the next few quarters, and do you see you know, a change uh, here uh, over those next few quarters in terms of valuations in the marketplace? Thanks. Yeah, th th uh, thanks, Richard. So, um, it it's we remain um, um, we remain in the, the market pursuing opportunities. So um, there's no doubt that the um, uh, uh, pandemic is going to affect valuations downwards um, for the markets that uh, uh, we um, you know we seek assets in. Uh, we continue to build um, a strong balance sheet, um, uh, 2.25 times leverage and declining. Um, but we're going to continue to pursue opportunity, the right, the, the right opportunity at the right time. Um, clearly, um, uh, any, any buyer has to understand the effects of the pandemic on that business, uh, and it requires uh, 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 yet another part of a, of a playbook uh, to do the due diligence. You know, we're going to seek, you know, it's a time to seek, you know, to, to seek companies in your core markets. Um, that you already know um, and um, that are just um, uh, you know, strong brands um, with high recurring revenues. Uh, I don't think it's a time to kind of get out of your wheelhouse. Um, so, you know, with, with, with that, well, we're, we're continuing to pursue opportunity, um, speak with companies, build our pipeline, uh, continue to do uh, 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 deep discussions and for the right opportunity, and the right to uh, right to diligent asset uh, uh, will be prepared. Great, thank you. Our next question comes from Thanos Mostropoulos of BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, Mark, can you speak to what you're seeing in your transaction-driven businesses like the trading grid? Um, given everything going on, are transaction volumes generally up a lot, down a lot? Um, if they are down, to what extent do you have contractual minimums that might uh, preserve some of the revenue? Yeah, thanks, Thanos. Um, look, I'm not going um, to translate um, tra uh, 
you know, traffic doesn't necessarily translate directly into, uh, into revenue, right? We have overages, we have underages, some contracts are, are yearly averages, so um, it's not a direct re uh, relationship. Um, th there are places where we've seen increased traffic. Um, if we look at some uh, pharmacy, healthcare, um, 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 actually certain industrial manufacturers as well. Uh, we've also seen areas that have uh, much lower traffic, of course, retail, um, CPG auto. Um, uh, you add the, the pluses and the minuses, uh, the traffic is down uh, overall, uh, but doesn't translate directly uh, into a kind of a, you know, a kilo character down doesn't translate that to, a, you know, a dollar down, if you will. Um, so we factor that all in to how we look at the year. Um, you know, again, for fiscal 20, we're expecting mid to high single digit growth uh, all, uh, all in. Um, but overall, to answer your question, the traffic is down. Um, we have places that are positive, uh, many places that are negative, but uh, you add the positives and negatives, it still equals a negative. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, it, I, we think it's a short-term uh, short issue, and, um, and we'll wait to see the uh, other side. Great, thanks. And uh, in the current climate, are you seeing any pressure on DSOs with customers asking for longer payment terms, or for that matter, um, are existing customers pushing you for concessions on, on maintenance renewal pricing, or, or not to date? Yeah, I think it's safe to say every industry is going to talk about longer payment terms, and every industry is going to talk about uh, renewal rates. Uh, you know, we experienced in Q3 very strong renewal rates. And um, look, we're in a great position because we offer a suite of products. We're, you know, we're, we're able to offset those conversations with more product, more services, consolidation opportunity. Um, and um, look, the, you know, the, the maintenance and features and the service is what's running a lot of these essential industries. So I think we're in a great position uh, to be able to um, um, uh, maintain upper quartile renewal rates, both cloud and off cloud. Um, uh, given we take a platform, product portfolio approach, consolidation approach, um, uh, we're, um, uh, we, we are the platform that is uh, essential in many businesses. So I, I feel really good on our, on our, on our renewal, on our, on our renewables. Um, every company is, everyone's asking for longer payment terms. Um, we're going to do what's right and fair here in the short term, and um, as everyone should, or, uh, as we say all together, um, uh, we um, uh, will do what's right and fair for those industries and customers who need our help, and our preemptive actions also help offset anything, um, um, and, and you saw that kind of all-together spirit uh, actually create record uh, cash flows in Q3. This concludes the question and answer session. I will now hand the call back over to Mr. Berenshay for closing remarks. Okay, well, thank you, everyone. Um, um, this was certainly a very unique time and a seminal, seminal moment uh, to, uh, to have an earnings call. Uh, our solid Q3 puts us in a great position to weather the short-term challenges ahead. 
Um, we had 21 consecutive quarters of year-over-year growth in constant currency, record revenues, record ARR at 81%, record cloud at 30, uh, 340 million, up 42%. We're maintaining our dividend and visibility. Um, and um, our, our hearts and minds are with all those affected by this um, uh, um, um, series of events and pandemic. Um, thank you for, for joining today's call, and um, we'll see you um, on our conferences in the quarter. Thank you very much. This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating, and have a pleasant day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.